The Bull Ring Boys are back on a dirty Thursday. We're celebrating the last year of the day in a big way. Joining us on this dirty Thursday, Chad Hop back in the studio along with Paul, the producer, Katie, our intern, and NLRA late model driver, Bill Mooney. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Show today, by the way, brought to you by Executive Properties. You know, if you've been putting off that remodel or maybe something new around your house long enough, you need to get a hold of Executive Properties. They will get it done. They do all types of commercial and residential work. I mean, whether you need a new bathroom or a kitchen, doors, siding, concrete, cabinets, trim, tile, I think you get the picture. They do it all, and they do it great. Senior and referral discounts, willing to work with any budget, and they do snow removal too. How's your back feeling after shoveling yesterday, right? For all your general contractor needs, call Executive Properties, 701-330-1273, or check out the website at executiveproperties.org. Make sure you check out those reviews on Facebook and Google, too. You're going to love their work. I know these guys personally do incredible work. Executive Properties, your one-stop company that can do it all. Well, if you have any questions, want to text onto the show, for myself, Chad, Paul, Katie, or Bill Mooney, our phone number is 701-213-0863. Again, that number is 701-213-0863. And before we get going, time now for our daily segment called Jokes My Neighbor Tells Me. Jokes My Neighbor Tells Me. Here I we go. I can't wait. Uh, we're talking New Year's resolutions. Do you guys have a New Year's resolution by any chance? Yeah, every year I do one. Okay, here's mine. Yeah. Uh, my New Year's resolution is to break my New Year's resolution. That way I succeed at something. <laughs> Paul, what'd you think of that one? I'm um, still trying to figure out mine. Oh, he didn't even hear it. All he heard was wah, 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 yeah, wah, wah. Yeah. I'm getting upset because uh, it's not giving me a notification that we're live. On His my, phone's on not working. No. And he's throwing, not, he's over, it's not okay. good right now. Screw you guys. Bill Mooney, what'd you think of that uh, joke? <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. All right. You guys got to succeed at something. <laughs> <laughs> How have you been, man? Doing all right. Yeah, it's been a different year, and uh, we sure miss coming down there and seeing all you guys and racing down there. But um, whatever, it's the it's the hand we're dealt, right? We're uh, we're doing okay, and we're adjusting a little bit uh, throughout the year and spending more time with family and. We generally spend a lot of time with family, even when we're racing, but it's different than going camping and spending time, you know, seeing friends and stuff that we normally wouldn't if we were away racing. So it's been okay. It's definitely different. But so you're turning right. in, you're turning into a normal human being now, or what? Yeah, yeah, as normal <laughs> as I could ever get. Yeah. Oof, duh. Hey, uh, Bill, tell us a little bit about yourself. People that maybe just see you from the stands at River City Speedway or whatever, but tell us a little bit about Bill Mooney. Oh, well, it's a long story, 41-year story. Um, started racing in 99 and uh, raced street stock for a year and then went into super stock, super stock division for uh, six or seven years, I think, and then A-Mods. They were just mods back then. There was no Midwest mods, but they were uh, A-Mods. And then uh, I think we uh, got about 11 or 12 years in late model now, and uh yeah, outside of work, just uh, got two uh, kids and a beautiful wife, and um, I'm a contractor, self-employed, keep fairly busy, got one guy working for me, and we, not a big business, but we do okay, and uh, keep busy, and that's about it. Uh, you're leaving Izzy out, you still got the dog? We still got Izzy, yeah. <laughs> Funny as ever, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Bill, everybody knows uh, you live up north, up, live up in Canada, where do you live, and tell us about the town you live in. Uh, so it's kind of a weird spot because our mailing address comes up as Selkirk, Manitoba, which is a town uh, about 25 minutes north of Winnipeg. Um, and uh, But we're actually kind of almost halfway between Selkirk and Winnipeg. We're just uh, just north of Birdsell. We're right next to a provincial park. And 
kind of right on the the main highway that heads up to where all you ice fishing guys head up in the in the winter to go up to the lake and Grand Beach area and all that. So we're right on that major highway, about uh, 15, 20 minutes north of the city. Well, Selkirk has been on my uh, to-do list for fishing for many years. And uh, when I do make it up there, uh, we're definitely going to have to stop by. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know uh, trough rubens uh, typically spend a bunch of time up here in the winter ice fishing, but uh, I guess they're not this year. And um, Yeah, but normally they do. They, they know exactly where we are. They drive by us uh, every weekend they come up here. Well, I'm gonna before we get rolling here any further, Bill. Uh, we've already got a ton of texts. Uh, William Dick, a lot of people. Hi, Bill. Happy New Year, uh, Robin Anderson. Hi, Bill Mooney. We miss you, uh, Mike Speaker. Missed you last year, Bill. Tom Cork, and good to see you, Bill. Uh, already all kinds of people missing Bill Mooney. How about that? <laughs> yeah, well, that's pretty cool. We sure miss all those guys, and uh, yeah, it's been a been a tough tough year, and uh, that's definitely been a big change for us, but. Uh, you know, hopefully we can uh, get down there and see you guys soon. It's uh, definitely something none of us have ever had to deal, deal with before, but uh, that's the downside of living on the north side of that line. It's, uh, you know, if they tell us we got to stay here, we got to stay here. Well, I think you should start a new form of racing. Get What's the that? car, yeah. get to the border, then see how far you can get before they catch you. <laughs> <laughs> Just hit the ditches. Yeah, you'd have probably get yeah. a little bigger gas tank though on the old number two there, Bill. Well, what we what we yeah. should what we should see is uh, right behind Paul and I. You got the number two behind us on the green screen. That's a beautiful car, Bill. Uh, whatever came with that paint scheme, I'm a yellow fan. I love yellow, uh, so that paint scheme is just pops for me. Whatever came about that to go with that thing bright yellow like that? That's beautiful. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really even know how that came about. We uh, back in the Superstock days, our first street stock, our first car was red and white, and uh, our first Superstock when we bought it was black and purple, and I think it had a little bit of yellow on it. And uh, for whatever reason, we just kind of so the yellow slowly creeped in. The cars were primarily black in Superstock days, but got more and more yellow over the years. And I just always liked uh, that bright color and. Uh, easy to read graphics, which helps the sponsors out and makes it easy for guys in the stands to, to see what you've got on there. And, and John too. Bright colors look good. <laughs> There's lots of black and dark colors and that sort of thing. So it just kept the, the yellow part of the car just kept getting bigger and bigger. Nice. All right, Katie, what? Turn, oh, turn oh, up her mic. Oh. My mic's on. <laughs> oh, that's what you wanted? Yeah. Okay. Maybe, I just wanted maybe to say, include her in the... Yeah. I just wanted to say, yeah, yellow's my favorite color. It's a great car overall. I love it. See? So you got all kinds of fans yeah. out there. Uh, Kyle Stau says, miss you much. Miss you so much, Bill. How about that? Boy, you're a popular guy here. Um, you know, we were talking on the phone a week or so ago, Bill, and uh, I noticed, um, you know, you've got uh, a car up for sale and things. And I asked you, you know, what's your plans? And, and you, it, it's really hard to, to have any plans. And it's like you said, you know, if you can't, and I'm trying to remember how you put this, if you can't, you can't make any money yeah. if you can't get down here to race, but you can't. How does that go? You don't make any money, but you can't win any money a- anyway. But um, yeah. good story. I, I, yeah. Do you remember exactly <laughs> that was what an you? Awesome punchline. <laughs> I should have had two yeah. beers before I started. Yeah, you were on um, the money there. I can't remember how you put it, but do you remember that conversation? Yeah, I mean, I guess basically what I was saying was you get you know you, you get ready for the year and you and you make these deals with sponsors and and I mean it's based on your attendance and and being there and. Um, so you get all your stuff ready and get those deals made and then get the car ready. And so you've spent that money to get the car ready and, you know, your, your pay kind of, you know, your, your winnings kind of keep you rolling throughout the year. And when you can't get down there and race and you've got to, you know, uh, squash your deal with the local supporters from the Grand Forks areas, it, uh, it kind of puts you in a bad spot. You know, you've got all your stuff, you've got all your inventory, you've got everything freshened up and ready to go, and and then you can't get out there and have any fun and, and kind of keep that winning coming in, winnings coming in to keep your program rolling. So it's it's a tough, uh, it made it a tough situation this year, that's for sure. So depending yeah. on what happens by this spring, if the borders open up, you're going to be back. If they don't, are you done? Or you're just going to kind of play it by ear? 
Um, I guess everything's playing it by ear. You know, things can change drastically in just a matter of time. But um, at this point, I would say that we've got someone fairly interested in the car locally here. And um, if it goes, we're likely done at that point. Um, we'll still get down there to watch once in a while and, you know, come and see all you guys. But uh, it's just uh, the last couple of years, it's gotten tougher and, you know, in, in many different ways, time and financially and sacrificing time from family. And it's getting harder. Uh, guys that I've had helping me for years or, you know, either, you know, Glenn Duncan's getting to the point where he's uh, physically not able to help as much. Um, and then Jamie Beatty, who's been a huge help of mine for years, you know, like years and years, um, his life's changing. He's gotten married and he's got a house and they've got things happening. So everyone's time is getting a little, uh, you know, a little more filled up than it used to be and a little less time to be working on a race car, which I totally understand. It's, uh, it's tough for myself and I'm the guy that gets to have all the fun doing it, you know, so it's, uh, it's just kind of that time. It's it's time to spend a little more time with the kids, and and uh, as much as I love it, it's just we're not able to do it the way we really want to do it. And uh, and for those you know those reasons, that's probably uh, that's probably going to be it. I'm not writing you off yet. Just so you yeah. know that. <laughs> well, neither am I. Good. You never know what can happen. And I see what you're saying too, Bill. It is, it is tough at times when you look at what you know what you just said is when you want to put your whole heart into it, but you're not really doing it. Then it's why. You know, you ask yourself why the question of doing it. Uh, question I have, Estevan put on some races this year. Were you able to make over there to at least get some racing in at all this year? Uh, we just raced at home. We raced, uh, five, I think, five five races at our local track at Red River Co-op. Uh, we didn't make it over to Estevan. The one we, we would have liked to, the one weekend that they did run late models, they were planning to run a few more after that. And for whatever reason, I don't know why that never came together, but they put up some good money and, and I mean, it's, it's not close for us, but at least it's on this side of the line. So, right. um, but we just had a, a family obligation that we couldn't get away for that weekend. And it's too bad because I really like that place and they do a really good job of running that, you know, their show and it's a beautiful facility. Yeah. Uh, it's moved over the years a bunch of times just because of the mining going on around there. And every time they move it, they get to move all their stuff and make the place better. And so it's, uh, it's quite the facility and, uh, you know, it's a great place. It's too bad that we went there a few years ago with the NLRA uh, tour that went out that way, and we had a great time, but it just didn't work out this year. It just couldn't make it happen. Um, Steve Young misses you. He says it's great to see your face again, by the way, uh, Stephen. Uh, Bill, now, I mean, you kind of come from a racing family. I, I don't know a lot about your dad, Pat, except for the fact that I think he was the greatest dirt track announcer in the history of dirt track announcers. Preach. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, did your dad race, or has he always just been a talker about this thing, and it, did that have anything to do with you getting into the sport? It definitely had something to do with me getting into the sport for sure. Uh, yeah, he raced uh, uh, for about three years right around when I was born, a couple of years before I was born. And then I think he raced the first summer I was around. And then uh, after that, um, it, he just uh, didn't, didn't, couldn't do the racing anymore, couldn't spend the time on it. Never, never had the mechanical ability to keep things up. <laughs> Still doesn't. But, uh, and then he flagged for a few years. He was the flagman at Winnipeg Speedway here and then uh, started announcing here and then uh, did some monster truck shows and tractor pulls and that sort of thing and did a bunch of stuff locally and then uh, started race or started announcing in Grand Forks, which Wait, I mean, if you out, it says that's by far the favorite thing he ever did in his life was announcing in River City. But he misses it dearly, and and uh, it was the best thing he he'd ever done. But uh, he did some um, announcing for uh, I can't remember what it was called back. It wasn't Monster Jam, I don't think, but it was USA Motorsports and stuff like that for different monster truck shows and traveled all around the U.S. and Canada and did a bunch of stuff like that, and so. He's always been involved, and uh, and I actually started coming down to River Cities when I was about 12 years old, every Friday. And uh, my dad would come down there and announce, and we'd come down for the weekend and camp in Little Canada there. And so it's uh, I've seen a lot of that highway. Um, I've been coming down there since I was about 12 years old, just about every Friday. And 
that 150 miles, and I'm pretty sure every vehicle we own could just drive that drive without us even steering. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then, uh, so when I got about, I raced go-karts for a few years and raced motocross for a few years around when I was 15, 16, well, 13, 14, 15 kind of thing. And then um, in uh, the late 90s, my dad and a couple of his buddies, Glenn Duncan being one of them, who has been on my crew forever, um, built an enduro car. Enduro races were big up here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so they built an enduro car, and they had a couple of different guys taking tries of driving it. Actually, Wayne Emery was one of the guys that was involved in that too. And uh, so they played around with that for a couple of years, and it was okay. They had some drivers that did well, and they had some drivers that just went out and cracked everything. So it kind of fizzled out when the work got too much. And then uh, Glenn and my dad started talking about maybe building another car for an enduro, and one thing led to another. We started building it, spent the winter building it, and it turned into a pretty pretty badass street stock by the time we were done, and there we were, street stock racing. Wow. Um, also, um, I want to talk about your, your late brother, uh, Mike. Uh, I, I met him one time. Uh, he was a pretty damn good quad racer back in the day, too, wasn't he? Very good, yeah. Yeah, he was uh, traveled around a lot and uh, raced uh, around Minnesota, North Dakota quite a bit, and and uh, yeah, he was good. He was uh, he was crazy. It's funny because he was a pretty calm, pretty uh, you know subdued guy. But uh, you put him on that quad, and he was a bit of an animal. Um, kind of in the same shoes, uh, Bill. I lost a younger brother uh, years back, and uh, you know I know a lot of people around here that that knew your brother, and uh, a lot of good things to say about him. And it, it's just too bad. Uh, that that happened and we're gonna I tell you what we're gonna take just a little bit of a break here i want you to hold on because uh, i'm gonna ask you some stuff uh we might even get a little political here in just a couple of minutes but uh right now if you need an oil change and you need one maybe you're gonna go on a road trip this weekend tell you what get over to valvoline instant oil change in grand forks basically no wait time uh you can sit in your car where they change your oil or maybe you can go do some shopping at best buy or target and uh while you're sitting in there they're also going to check your fluids your wiper blades your cabin air filter all your lights, your batteries, your tires. They do tranny and coolant flushes, and you can just drive up. You don't even need an appointment. It's timely service that will not slow you down. And like I said, you can sit right in your car. It takes about 20 minutes. For an additional $7 savings, all you have to do is mention Grand Forks Best Source, and you're going to save some money. Now, if you can't leave work and you're in Grand Forks, they'll come and pick your vehicle up, too. What a deal. Locally owned and operated, they're open seven days a week, and they are fast. It's Valvoline Instant Oil Change. You'll find them at 3325 South 38th Street or call 701-780-8462. Make sure you tell them Grand Fork's best source sent you. Uh, you can see them right off of 32nd Avenue, easy to find. Uh, we are back with NLRA late model driver Bill Mooney. And uh, Bill being stuck up there, uh, you know, it's kind of weird here in Grand Forks where the studios are, but I live in Minnesota. Uh, everything's closed in Minnesota, shut down. The, the, the state is basically dying as we speak. We can come across the river to North Dakota and, and everything is damn near normal, but things up there are not good either. Tell us about how COVID-19 is working up in Canada and where are you at? What's it like right now up there? Uh, well, it's not good. I mean, the, uh, you know, the, the kids have been in and out of school and, and, you know, leading up to Christmas break, they were in school as normal uh, with the grade seven and up um, having the option to school from home. Um, but uh, they've extended the break for the older kids uh, after this. You know, my kids go back on January 4th. There's, uh, I think, another two weeks for the grade seven and up. Uh, group of kids that uh, they're homeschooling from January 4th for two for the first two weeks. Um, but yeah, it's not good. Um, restaurants are shut down. All you can do is curbside pickup. And so that's, you know, I, I mean, that's keeping some of them going, but it's not, it's nothing like what they would normally be doing. And uh, it's, it's tough. It's um, thankfully my business has been pretty much normal. We've had to make a few adjustments as the, you know how we go about things but we haven't really uh slowed down much so we're thankful for that and my wife's a teacher so she's had lots of challenges but she's still got a job and a paycheck coming and so that's good but it's um it's tough you drive around the city and there's lots of places closed and 
Um, you know, not just restaurants. I mean, it, it's crazy. Every day you talk to somebody, you, you realize there's someone else, some other business that's affected that you didn't even think of, you know. Um, and it's tough. There's lots of release signs around town and there's lots of places shutting down and there's lots of malls that were, you know, or outlet malls or whatever you want to call it, um, box store type things that were, you know, maybe 10 years old that are, you know, 80% of the buildings in that in that one unit are all released or people have moved out or taken their signs down or it's tough. It's uh, it's tough on the healthcare and and you know we know some people in the healthcare and we know uh, obviously um, school teachers and um, all those all those people are having a tough time there. You know teachers are dealing with having a having to teach a class and teach kids that are at home um, and deal with the kids moving around the school and you know, making sure they stay safe and it's tough. It's, uh, it hasn't been easy. You know, um, we keep track of Minnesota numbers, North Dakota numbers, United States numbers. What are the numbers of positive COVID, you know, people up there? Uh, I, we don't hear anything about Canada. Are the numbers bad? Are there, do you know a lot of people affected by the pandemic? Uh, we know a couple of people that had it. We actually know a couple of people that I think had it before mm-hmm. it was even, that well known, you know, they, uh, like last winter, um, January, February sort of thing. They were they sick as a dog and, you know, whatever, just treated it like a regular flu and took, you know, maybe had a week off of work or two and they were back to normal. But then, you know, after the fact, you, you feel like that's, you know, it was probably here before we even knew it kind of thing. But the numbers are, they spike, you know, one day we'll have. 400 new cases in a day and then the next day you know like i think just a couple days ago right after christmas there we had um you know 140 Mm -hmm. all of manitoba you know so it's not uh it's not crazy it's not good but it's not as bad as some areas and uh you know it's it hasn't overwhelmed the healthcare yet but uh they're being pretty cautious you know and and a lot of people think they're being too cautious but on the same hand like i've always said is you know, we've got a health minister up here that's, and other people that are making these decisions. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't envy them. I wouldn't want to be making that decision. That's, uh, you know, life or death basically in a lot of cases. And primarily up here, the issue we're having is, uh, retirement homes, 65 plus type care homes and stuff like that. That's where the outbreaks are happening. We're not, uh, not really seeing much with schools or, anything like that uh it's typically the most vulnerable people unfortunately are the ones that are around all the outbreaks in these uh in these homes um do you think all the precautions they're taking up there i mean basically they have like you said shut everything down do you think that is really necessary um no but i wouldn't want to be the guy that made that decision and be wrong Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um from what I've seen so far, I think they've taken the, the shutting down of restaurants and retail places. I've, and I mean, salons and like all these things, barbershops, like, um, you know, there's a lot of those, those people are, you know, I know a lot of people in those industries that are not, they can't go a year without working. You mm-hmm. know, like they're, this is going to end them if they don't, uh, if they don't get to get back to work pretty soon. But, um, I think where the, where they've made a bit of a mistake up here is shutting all that stuff down and not doing more for the care homes and those sort of things because that's where all the outbreaks are. That's where we're losing people. Um, you know, you've got people in their 80s and 90s getting COVID-19. They're, you know, it's no different than them getting pneumonia. The mm-hmm. chances of them pulling through that are pretty slim. Right, you know? right, right. Um, so I think what, the, the, you know, if it was up to me, I would have probably left the retail and the, and the schools alone a little more and, and probably concentrated more on those most vulnerable. Um, and I don't know what that is. I know I know that they've had tons of outbreaks at those places, um, at care homes and stuff, and I don't know what the answer is, but there's got to be, you know, they really could have, they, they really could have, I'm sure, cut our numbers down to 50% of what they are now if they would have really locked those down and, and made sure that it didn't get to the point it is now with those outbreaks. You know, I have a lot of Canadian friends that all have their opinions of your prime minister. Uh, if you could sit down for 10 minutes with Trudeau, what would you say to him? Would 10 minutes be enough? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, 
I don't know. I'd have to give that some thought. I don't. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not even sure that I would sit down with him. Honestly, I'm not a huge fan. I think he's a bit of a slimy uh, little bugger. But uh, yeah, I don't. To be honest, I don't think I'd even sit down with him. You're getting an applause for that one, Bill. <laughs> uh, I want to. I want to hit a couple of more texts here, quick. Joey Peterson, Bill, great guy, always a hard charger. Hope to see you and pops back at RCS in 2021. Uh, Brian, Miss Bill, and all the Canadian drivers and fans at River City Speedway. Uh, you know, Bill, you mentioned um, okay. Currently, twelve point six positivity rate in Canada. That's from William Dick. Thanks, did, William. Did um, you say we had a Biden voter on there too? Uh, a what? Biden voter? Oh, there might have been. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Bill, you mentioned uh, the people in Little Canada and stuff. And uh, I know Chad. I can. I yeah. can. You'll agree with me. Uh, you know, every Friday night when I take my stroll down to the pits, um, sometimes I run into you on Thursdays. You're usually one of the first guys to get here, but uh, you have to walk through Little Canada. And I tell you what, uh, not only are the Canadian race car drivers a great bunch of people, but uh, you got a hell of a fan base up there. I mean, Canadian fans, it doesn't matter if it's hockey, curling, or dirt track racing, because I've been involved yeah. with all of them <laughs> at a national level. And uh, I tell you what, the fans up there are some of the best in the world, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of good fans here at this Speedway. Um, but there's uh, there's a lot that actually drive right by our Speedway on Thursday to get down to the Bullring on Friday. Um, and that, you know, they're, yeah, they're, it's great to have that support. Uh, we've always felt we had good support from the Grand Forks community, but it's, we're kind of, you know, we get that bonus of having a bunch of Canadians down there with us, and uh, it's good. It's, uh, it's. There's been lots of fun had over by the fire there at Little Canada, and um, it's it's awesome to have the support. And they are a bunch of really good people, and 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 absolutely love that speedway, which they should. They have, you know, it's uh, it's a unique thing, and uh, it's a gem for sure. And you know, but they really do enjoy it, and they enjoy being there every Friday, and. They enjoy the people around there that you get to see, you know, Thursday evenings, Friday during the day, Friday night, Saturday during the day. You know, there's always people stopping by and, and saying hi, and, and they really enjoy it. I, I think you got to look back, and anytime, anytime you can get a group of fans to travel like they do and have a spot mm-hmm. be called Little Canada, and when you bring up that spot, like, oh, yeah, I know where that's at. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's how much those fans travel yep. and appreciate the, what we do here at River City Speedway. We appreciate them as well. And I know you for sure. We talked about it almost every Friday night because he took me, John took me out there last year. And it was so much fun to go out there and just we sat down. We talked to everybody. I think they listened to a football game and they were cheering and then they were pissed. And yep. <laughs> it's just typical fans. And, uh, and just to talk to them about racing. And then that, day, that night they sit in the same spot and... John and I talked about that all year this year. That's one thing I think, think we missed as well is just the interaction with Little Canada. I mean, so we hope everything gets back to normal. But yeah, you know, you could. I can't walk through Little Canada without yeah. being full by the time I get to from one end to the other end. <laughs> all right, here, John, uh, try this drink. Yeah, try this whether one. it be a drink or food. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lynn texted in. Lynn Templeton, Canada rules. Now, Bill, I'm going to get off subject here for just a minute. Oh. Um, you can't get much more Canadian than Don Cherry. Are you a Don Cherry fan? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I was creeping you on social media, and you had a few things on there with Don Cherry. How bad did the Canadians miss him? Real bad. Um, yeah, the, the people that were fans of his, which there was lots of them, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that were on his side and, and fans of his for years and years, uh, miss him. I was just thinking the other day when we were watching a double IHF uh, hockey game, um, Obviously, he wouldn't have been a part of that for the most part. But all those young kids coming up, he used to always do specials on them on CBC and Hockey Night in Canada. All those young guys coming up through the ranks, and he knew everything about them and watched them all the time. And you know, he uh, he he. I mean, there's no one that knows hockey like he does, and and uh, it's just uh, it's definitely a void on Hockey Night in Canada not having him around. It's. Uh, I mean, he was over the top in a lot of ways and whatever, but he was, you know, it was a show and he was putting on a show and, 
he he I'm, you know he cares so much about Canadian hockey. It's uh, it's sad to see him not involved anymore. Well, Kevin just yeah. texted us and said he should be the next prime minister. What do you think? <laughs> Who should be Don, Don Cherry? <laughs> well, that could be a yeah. little different. He's in the right age group for most of the time for most of the U.S. Pres- presidents and prime ministers. Yeah. Um, you know, I, every time uh, when I get a new new guy on the show here, um, I always put a shout out out to certain people and, and uh, find out if I can hear any good stories or funny stories about the racers that are going to be on the show. And all I could get out of you about you, Bill, it was all about your hands. Everybody says you have got monster hands. They said you have to drink a beer and a pounder, otherwise you can't even see the can. Uh, you got a big pair of mitts or what? I guess I never noticed. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> look at that. He just about covered your face. Uh, I didn't see half your face there for a second. The, <laughs> I remember walking out of the trailer one day with a Olin shock in my hand, and uh, Mike Balkin was standing at the end of the trailer, and he just started laughing. I said, "What are you laughing at?" He says. No matter what you're holding in your hand, it always looks small. <laughs> well, that could be that could be a good thing in certain certain instances, yeah. I guess. Now we're really getting off topic. Yeah. Now we're really getting off. Topic. <laughs> uh, you know, you mentioned Mike Balkin. Uh, do you run into any of these guys? Uh, the guys that normally would be down here on a Friday. Do you keep in touch with them? Uh, do you get together at all, or, or you guys just pretty much got your own thing going on uh, when you're when you're not down here? Uh, we pretty much got our go- own thing going on, and and I mean, right now we're nobody's allowed to go see anybody or stop in for a beer or go to a local bar for a beer or have lunch together or nothing. So it's kind of kind of tough, but uh, yeah, I see I see the guys once in a while, and Mike and I actually talk quite a bit. Um, Mike's kind of a different, uh, you know. I mean, I race with a bunch of guys and friends with a bunch of guys, but. Um, Mike and I were friends before I started racing and, uh, you know, I looked up to him and he was a hero of mine. And, uh, so we, uh, we've been close for a long time. And as a kid, I was the guy that was sitting in his car when I was 10 years old. And, um, you know, it was pretty cool to grow up and then eventually race against them and compete against them. And he's, uh, he's a good friend and we talk often. Hey, I want to ask yeah. you about the uh, grudge match in street stocks with Roger Fiala. <laughs> Somebody just texted me that. That would be uh, Matt, by the way, texted me that. <laughs> so what happened there? Well, that's a pretty good one. We, uh, that, we, only, ra- we only raced street stocks for one year in 1999. That was my first year, and we raced uh, Winnipeg and uh, Grand Forks. Probably, I think we got down there about probably 10 or 12 times. And then Warren, I think they still had the fair at Warren mm-hmm. Speedway and Howlock. We raced a couple of those places, Greenbush, I think. Um, but we actually raced quite a bit for our first year and traveled around quite a bit and did, did fairly well. We were running pretty good and won a bunch of features in Grand Forks and won a bunch at home. And But uh, yeah, so we're at the, I think it was the Warren Fair and uh, I don't remember if we, I think we just raced the Saturday, but, uh, anyway, it was Roger and I were battling for the race win and, and, uh, you know, always raced hard against each other. He was a great guy, really, really good guy and a great guy to start racing against because he was a tough competitor, but come over and shake your hand and have a laugh after and have a beer. But anyway, we raced and I'm, I'm pretty sure he won and I finished second. And then he said, well, let's go out and race just you and me. Let's have a grudge match. And uh, I said, well, sure. You know, there's still some fans in the stands and the Speedway was on board. So right after the feature, whatever the last feature was that day, we went out and raced this with two of us. I think it was three or five laps or something like that. And so he beat me again, not by much, but uh, he beat me again. So we come in the pits and I was a little, you know, whatever discouraged that he beat me twice and I thought I could at least go out in the grudge match and maybe get ahead of him but I couldn't and so uh he comes walking over with a big smile on his face and he says uh good race he says I gotta show you something come over here so we go walking over to his car and his him and his crew guy pull the hood off and pull the air cleaner off and 
Here he had a four barrel carburetor on all night, and we were supposed <laughs> to have two barrels. <laughs> but that's the kind of guy he was. He was like, he beat you, beat me both times, and was cheating both times. Yeah. But was the first guy to tell me that he was cheating. That was it was a riot. It was a lot of fun. Well, isn't that the old saying? Nothing's illegal unless you get caught, right? Exactly. Yeah, and Warren Warren Fairgrounds. There was nobody caught. There was not much of a tech program. There, yeah, there's not tech there. <laughs> what were the first words to you when you looked down and saw the four barrel carburetor? Uh, we're well, not. My kids are beside me, so I can't. <laughs> I was going to say we're not FCC regulated here, so you yeah. can say it if you want. But uh, I understand with the kids being there. Uh, Bill, I want to ask you: uh, What was your biggest or best night ever behind the wheel in a race car? Do you have one? Um, yeah, there's a few that I guess you know. Um, my first. Well, you know, I mean, your first win in a well, street stock is always first win is always a big mm-hmm. one. Um, in the super stocks, I think it was the second year, third year we won our first points championship, which was big. You know, that was a big deal. Um, um, I would say that you know that's a big deal. When it, the first time I got into a modified, we went to Winnipeg opening day, and past Kevin Sexton, who was mm-hmm. the guy to beat back then. Yep. On the last lap in the last corner for the win on our first race. That was pretty cool. Um and then the first win at the bull ring. That's uh you know to to go there and win in a late model is tough. You know it's, oh, yeah. it's uh you know I, I remember you know that first win was unreal you know you almost can't even remember it because it was just like you know it was just like a you know, you got to pinch yourself after you don't even until the next day, you don't even realize that you've done that, you know? But, um, yeah, I don't know. Went late model win at the, at the bull ring is a big deal. I remember Joey Peterson saying to my dad one time, um, I think whatever season that was, we had three or four wins there. And Joey was saying to my dad, you know, that's, you know, there's, you know, that's a heck of a deal to win three or four races at river cities against that crowd on a weekly basis. That's, you know that's that's a big deal that's 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 an unbelievable crowd to race against every friday um you know those guys have got good cars they're on the ball they you know they know what they're doing there's lots of cars you got to beat everybody you got to have everything go right and uh you know any any late model win at the bull ring is a big deal all right we asked you about your best did you ever have a worst night one that just punches you right in the face and say i hope i never have another night like that again no, there's unfortunately there's almost as many of those, yeah. Um, yeah, that you know, really, I don't know. There's there's ones that hurt you that night, but it's it's funny how you, you know, you get over them pretty quick. And when you're, uh, yeah, uh, there's there's none that really stick out. It's all you take the good with the bad, and there's things that happen. We've had a pretty good run, you know, in in 22 years of racing or whatever it is, and. Um, <laughs> We've had some bad nights, but nothing bad, nothing crazy. You just best thing to do is try to hit that reset button and get back in it, right? You just don't want to remember and don't want to frown upon that and just go on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, and it's tough. It's, I mean, you know, we two or three years ago we rolled two cars in a year. Um, that was bad, you know. But really, you know, you can. It, it's crazy, you know. We had, we had a crash the year before that in the back straightaway at River Cities. It didn't really look like much in the grandstands, but it completely totaled the car. Yeah, you know, we did less damage rolling a car over than we did in that one crash. So it's just, yeah, I mean, you just take the good with the bad. We've had a pretty good run. We haven't wrecked that much stuff. And you, uh, pretty good. you by any chance ever been injured? Ever uh, been in a wreck where you 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 felt it for a while, or or had to go see a doctor or anything, or have you stayed pretty safe? No, I stayed pretty safe. That one wreck three, about three years ago in Grand Forks on the back straightaway that we bent the front clip over in the car that one hurt for a day or two and then both rollovers actually uh shook my head up pretty good for a couple of days after but uh nothing you know nothing serious nothing that uh nothing that doesn't heal on its own after a couple of days kind of thing somebody's texting yeah. in about the uh sites day race said it was terrible fill me in on that i don't know if i remember that did you have a bad sites or it seems like whenever i talk to lo- local late model guys they always have a bad sites <laughs> yeah, but um did something particular happen during a, the John Sykes Memorial for you? 
Um, well, when did we have a day race? That must have been two years ago. Yeah. Years ago? Well, I know that they, they usually start early on the last day, but. Well, I thought well, I was I listening. That, we had I think a while the one ago. that they're talking about is that, that weekend where it rained. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were there till almost three in the morning that weekend. Yeah. We, and we raced like all day Saturday. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. That's right. We had to make it up. Was that three years ago? Yeah, yeah. I think it was three years ago. Three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't a good day. The track was all burnt off and dusty. And I mean, they did what they could do with the sun out all day, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't good. We, I, we, uh, we actually, I think we didn't even need to go into the, the one race. I think we went into the B or something like that and basically just had to start it. And then we ended up running and then got in a wreck and tore the whole front end off the car. And it's that, that weekend is uh, my favorite weekend by far, but man, a lot can happen in three days of racing. You know, not, not this last year, but the year before we got wrecked on the, I think it was on the Friday night, the whole left front of the car destroyed header, the whole suspension, like just destroyed it on the left side. And then got everything back together and had to take a provisional to get in and drove up to 11th. You know, um, it, it's, we always seem to end up pretty good there, but it just seems to sometimes be a battle to even get into it. And, you know, it's, uh, but it's still the best weekend and my favorite weekend all year. When, when you look back at this year, uh, you know, racing probably wasn't, you didn't do a lot of it, but did you, uh, they brought broadcasting racing this year was a lot more prominent. Did you watch racing on TV, dirt track racing? Um, yeah, we don't get much up in Canada for dirt track racing on TV. Um, pretty much anything we're watching is either pay-per-view or dirt on dirt or stuff like that. Um, but there's, there's next to no coverage uh, on Canadian television for racing at all, really. Um, but if there is any racing on it, it's uh, the NASCAR race on Sunday is about it. We don't even get to see the truck race anymore. Really? But yeah. you get to watch Napcar. Napcar on Sunday, yeah. Yeah. Four-hour nap in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Best Sunday ever. <laughs> yeah. Nap away. Watch the first two laps, take a nap, and wake up for the last two. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Hey, Bill, is there uh, anybody that, um, have you ever had a grudge with any other race car driver? Is there anybody out there, and you don't have to name names, is there anybody out there that you will not pit next to? <laughs> <laughs> And I don't know anything. I'm just, this is something I ask it, it almost be, everybody. It could be just a simple yes or no question, Bill, since you laugh so much. <laughs> yeah, there's a few. Yeah, okay. Go. <laughs> now, now he really piqued my interest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm guessing uh, with the, the regulations and rules going on out there, uh, up there right now because of the pandemic, uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, a little challenging in the Mooney house. Are you able to get together with the rest of the family or can you not even do that? Well, I might be. Uh, you gonna get arrested if if somebody finds out? <laughs> yeah, we might be getting arrested here. But uh, we're we were not supposed to gather on Christmas with anyone outside of our household. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's kind of a gray area there with the fact that my mom and dad and my wife's mom um, are caregivers for our kids. So if they can't, you know, a couple times throughout the year they've been told they can't go to school for a week because someone in the school tested positive so we still got to go to work so they go to my mom's or my mother-in-law's or whatever so yeah we had them over uh, like we typically do um not as much extended family as we normally would but we got to have my mom and dad over for christmas day and saw my mother-in-law and her husband and um my brother-in-law and his son on christmas eve and so it was good it was um uh, Definitely different, like everything else has been this year, but uh, we managed to make the best of it. And it was a little more low-key this year, which was okay. Sometimes that's good, you know, and uh, it was good. We had a good Christmas. So the, the, the Mounties leave you alone as long as you're not out playing pond hockey somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You gotta, it's it's kind of crazy. you got to be careful. About, uh, I mean, honestly, I, we probably didn't need to, but we – we did park my mom and dad's car in the garage and moved one of our cars out. So, <laughs> you, you do have to be careful because apparently they're driving around looking at plate numbers, and if that plate number doesn't match the house it's parked in front of, then you're in trouble. I heard that they're running drones, oh. too. Is that true? They're flying Are they, they flying drones? Are they running drones? drones up there, too, checking you guys out? I haven't heard that. No, well, I you figure by this time of year, they probably freeze up. Too damn cold out there yeah. for a drone. 
Wow, that is just that's something. Uh, Bill, do you have any New Year's resolutions? No. No? Yeah, no. <laughs> I never really do that. I know. You're just setting yourself your up. Advice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you ask my wife my New Year's resolutions. Um, she's already told me what they are. Oh, she's so, me. Yeah. <laughs> Lori took care of yeah, it. Yeah, she already told me what they are. So um, uh, do you have big plans for tonight, Bill? Are you, are, are you, well, I suppose you can't do anything up there, can you? No, no, we're not doing much. Uh, kids and I are here just uh, as soon as we're done here. We're probably going to maybe head out for a little ride on the snowmobiles. The groomer just went down the end of the street here. So we'll oh, wow. check out some freshly groomed trails and uh, just hang around, have a fire, and probably crack a few tins. There you, you go. Uh, you guys have enough snow up there to actually ride now, huh? Yeah, yeah. We just got another few inches uh, yesterday, or the day before yesterday. We got about five inches. So you being a Canadian, I'm guessing you don't drive a ditch pickle. What kind of snowmobile are you driving? Uh, Bombardier. Oh, Skidoo. there you go. Bombardier. Yep, yep. Skidoo. Canadian. Skidoo. We yep, do have yep. an Arctic cat in the fleet, though. We've got a we've got a uh, 92 Jag in the fleet. Oh, 92 nice. Jag? Four, four, four. I rode one of those back in the day. Nice. Yeah, well, so did I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, me being from Thief River Falls, Minnesota, where everybody is somebody, you know, I uh, yeah. got a, I'm a ditch pickle guy, but uh, I kind of gave it up. Um, anyway, Bill, you've had a great group of sponsors. Um, I don't know if you can remember all of them. I know this is a hard thing for a lot of race car drivers when you're, you put them on the spot, but this is a chance for you now to thank some of the people that have been helping you out all these years. Yeah, definitely, Paul. Uh, um, definitely in Grand Forks, we've had uh, uh, lucky to have the support of Lithia Toyota over the last few years and Pizza Ranch, and uh, and then up here and then on the north side of the line, we've got uh, Lucas Oil Canada, um, McPhillips Toyota, um, Emerson Duty Free, uh, Winnipeg Hearing Centers has been with us for. Fifteen, twenty years. Uh, um, Ericsson Motors. There's, uh, there's a bunch, and uh, we couldn't do it without them. And uh, we really do appreciate all they've done over the years. We've had, you know, for the most part, we've had sponsors a long time. Um, and you know, thankfully, it's uh, we've got a good relationship with them, and and try and do our best for them, and and hopefully that's what keeps them around. We try, and, you know, give them the best uh, exposure and represent them the best we can um and we're thankful for all their support have you been uh in convert in contact with uh, any of your sponsors or are they, they they still a go if the 2021 season happens for you guys for the bill mooney racing team uh we haven't really got to that point normally we would uh we would be sort of starting to lock down deals at this point but um I guess we haven't yet, and we're uh, we're getting close to the point where we're going to have to uh, either, uh, you know, uh, crap or get off the pot, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but we're kind of waiting for the car to go, and when the car goes, then that'll seal our decision, and and that'll then we'll take it from there. Well, I don't want to yeah. be that guy, but I hope the car doesn't go. No. Yeah, I don't want the car to sell. Either. Sorry, Bill, but yeah, yeah. there's a few people in that same uh, thought process, and. I get it. It's uh, you know we we'd love to be there every Friday and and have a have a shiny new piece in the shop getting ready to go or something like that. But it's just not in the cards. It's just time to time to do something different. Uh, Kevin Pappenfuss says, "Great show, Happy New Year, everyone." Uh, Carrie Ann Trofgruben, Happy New Years to Bill and his family. Um, I would imagine this last year uh, being basically away from racing, at least as much as you have been doing. Does it start to really change your focus? Because a lot of the race car drivers that I've talked to over the years, you know, they're not lake people. Uh, they don't get to go do the things with their family. And then once they start getting older, they've been doing it for a while, and they might take a weekend off and, and go to the lake or do something. And then the next year, they might buy a boat, and then they start to realize, you know, maybe I was missing out on something. Uh, did that give you this last year um, you know, maybe it's a little bit more to reflect upon, uh, spending more time with the family. Does that, I mean, that's got a way in your mind too with, with what could possibly happen in 2021. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not, uh, it, it's not the sole reason for, uh, for getting out, but, um, it definitely, you know, it opens your eyes to something different. 
we were just talking about this the other day with people traveling. You know, there's a lot of people that go to Hawaii every year or Mexico every year that are, are starting to think that maybe there's a little more in Canada that they could go see now that they haven't been able to go. And I guess it's the same sort of thing. You know, you're you're not racing, you're not driving down the highway every Friday. You get to do a couple different things, and you know, yeah. for us, part of the part of the issue for us is that we're at a 150 mile disadvantage every Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're, when we're coming down there to race, we're we're not just you know driving from the east side over to the speedway. We're we're 150 miles on an international border away every time we come and go. Um, so it's a it's it's tough, you know. It's a it's a couple. It's leave. It's not staying at home till four thirty, grabbing the kids off the school bus and going to the racetrack. It's leaving at one thirty in the afternoon if you can try and get your workday done that quick and get down there. And I guess you know if we if we lived on the other side of the line, we probably wouldn't be having this discussion. We'd be getting everything bolted down and ready to go for another year. But uh, part of the part of the the pandemic and being at the, you know, the disadvantage of where we are located. And, uh, you know, and to be honest, our favorite racetrack is River Cities. So it's not, you know, if River Cities was on this side of the border or we were on the other side, it would it would make life a lot easier, that's for sure. Well, why don't you just move down here? <laughs> I've thought about it many times, to be honest. With you. Is that right? <laughs> you could be a dual citizen. Yeah, there's yeah. great there's great shopping in Grand Forks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's great shopping yeah, in Grand Forks. Not much of a shopper, but no, no. And, and you know, you're you're almost uh, when you look at it that way, Bill. It's almost a disadvantage because right off the bat, uh, you're spending a couple hundred dollars just in fuel alone just to get to the racetrack and back every Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then with the NLRA shows, you know, you race somewhere on a Saturday or Sunday, and most of the guys that we're racing against are, you know, you leave the track after the race and you're home by midnight. Well, mm-hmm. We're home at two or three in the morning, sure. Know, or, or we stay over and we're not home till the next day. So right. It, it does play a factor. There's there's no no way around it. It, it is a factor, and it, it's a dis- disadvantage for all the guys living on the north side here. So yeah, if you, do you ever get uh, razzed by the border patrol too, where they try to take apart all your stuff and go through everything to make sure you're not smuggling, you know, bottle, they, bottles, bottles, black of market, Captain, Captain black Morgan, mar- black market shocks or anything. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, we've always been been good. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, it's good going down because, uh, well, not so much in the last year or two, but um, for years we would come down and they would say, hey, yeah, just pull over in the booth there and they'd x-ray the whole thing and, you know, they can see everything inside. There's nothing to hide and, we, you know, they'd spend five minutes doing that. We'd be rolling, you know, it was no right. big deal. And the Canadian side is really good too. It's actually harder to get back. Mm-hmm. typically or not harder but they have more questions coming back than they do when we're going down yep um but for the most part it's been good you know they i had one guy say you know geez sorry we got to go through all your stuff here and i'm like well you know that's a big unit with a lot of places to hide stuff and they check it maybe you know thoroughly check it maybe once or twice a year i'm like that you know i'm good you know like that's you know i, I realize they got to do what they got to do in there the safety in mind and whatever, so it's uh, it's fine. It's always that's never really been an issue. It's just the the distance is the issue. So hypothetically, then, Bill, if you look back towards twenty twenty one, the car doesn't sell like you want it to. This beautiful car right behind me, by the way. Uh, would you go full time or would you cut that down to part time for next year? Yeah, I'd definitely be part time. Um, we. You know, we spent a bunch of years coming down there every Friday, and and you know, really enjoyed it. But it's just, uh, it's just not, it just, it just doesn't work anymore. It's just too far. It's too shortens the week up too much. And um, to be honest, I don't know. You know, three, four, or five years ago, when I was racing here th- every Thursday, and Grand Forks every Friday, and NLRA shows Saturday, Sunday, I, I, I don't even know how I did it, but. Uh, it just, uh, you know, it, it takes away from your work. It takes away from your family. It takes away from a lot of things. And uh, it just, uh, if it doesn't sell, which it's going to sell at some point. Yeah. No. <laughs> if it doesn't, it would be a part-time deal at best. Yeah. Well, I saw um, what you what you were selling for. Um, I think you even dropped your price a little bit. But is that Canadian or is that American money? That's metric money. <laughs> metric money. Wow. Yeah. Okay, uh, Tom Corcoran, by the way, just texted, said, sure like to see your local track pay enough to sustain late model racing for you. 
<laughs> Your thoughts there, Bill? Well, I agree with Tom. Tom's a, a veteran that knows how things go. He's, he's absolutely right. It's uh, That hasn't helped. You know, we've had a, a Speedway owner up here for the last bunch of years that uh, took over a place that was, uh, when he took it over, was at its peak. It was it was packed. They were having big shows. They just put in concrete grandstands. The place looked great. The equipment was up to date and maintained and um and they you know he he took it over and for every year since he's had it has not put as much money back into it as anyone else ever has and and it's starting to show you know there's there's things that are getting worn out and there's you know employees can only do so much when they're when they're not given enough material or money or diesel or anything to do their job properly and uh they've they've basically you know it's just he's just used it up and hasn't put anything back into the place and it's unfortunate it's it's uh it's at its all-time low i would say right now unfortunately and um there's rumors of new owners coming and stuff and i hope that's true whether we're there or not i hope it's true because that place needs a resurrection badly and uh the sport in manitoba needs the help for sure it's uh it's not in a good place right now and and it's uh it definitely needs needs some new life and some new excitement around the place and, and someone that's, you know, excited to be there and wants to make the place better. Like the previous owners have always done, um, you know, kind of leave the place better than they found it. Um, so hopefully that's the case and they get some new ownership there. And I can't, you know, Tom, I, I couldn't agree with Tom anymore. The, the problem is if a new owner is going to come on this year, I can't see them doing much of the payout in their first year. They've got more than enough stuff to deal with and, equipment to get going again and upgrade and all that there the paying the drivers is going to be low on their list i would think but um there's definitely something they do need to look after because um you know if you ever want to ask about or, or learn about payouts brad sang is a guy to talk to because brad sang gets it and most of the guys that have uh, founded the nlra and have been in, involved in the nlra get it and it's not that you need to pay three grand to win. Everyone loves that. And that's great. But where your payout needs to be good is from fifth through 10th or 15th, because those are the guys that show up every week. And those are the guys that need that money to buy tires for the next week and buy fuel for the next week. And, uh, you know, the more, the more places that realize that the, the sport will be better for it. But, uh, I know, you know, Brad and Tom and all those guys have, have done all they can do with the NLRA and all the tracks they deal with. And, and it's a huge job because it's, it's a hard sell, you know, and they just see it as an expense. They don't see the long term, you know, the, the mm -hmm. tracks have a hard time swallowing that because they just see it as a nightly expense, but it's, uh, it definitely has an effect and, and, and proof positive is Winnipeg Speedway or Red River Co-op Speedway. They're, they're where they are today because of the way they treated racers and, the fans and the show they put on and all those things. So if anyone's looking for how not to do it, that's, that's where to look. Well, I don't know who they're talking about, but Kevin Papenfuss says they need someone like Pete to buy it. Tommy Corcoran says, amen. Uh, I guess I don't know who Pete is, Bill. Pete is the, uh, the guy that started the Speedway, Winnipeg Speedway days, Pete Vernoss. Um, and he built that place and, uh, you know, and, and back, that was back in the players 100s days. They had huge races and he was the type of guy that that place needs now. But I, I mean, I, I just don't see it happening. Mm -hmm. But he was the kind of guy that if a guy like, I, I can't think anyone back in the day, well, Tom Corcoran back in the day, if Tom towed up there from East Grand Forks and had a bad night, Pete was the kind of guy as the owner of the Speedway that would come by and hand him, an, hand him a $100 bill on top of his pay to say, hey, I hope you can make it back next week. Sorry you had a tough night. And that's the kind of people that need to get that sport back going again. And, I mean, the, the you know, that's that's just, that's it. And, and you don't need to be handing over $100 bills to everyone that has a bad night. But even coming by saying, hey, saw you had a tough night tonight, you know, we sure love to see you back next week. You wouldn't believe how far that goes sure. for a guy yeah. that's on his down and out, had a bad night. Now he's got to drive all his stuff home and work for two days to fix it. Just coming over and say, hey, thanks for coming out. Here's your check. I know, you know, 
it might be a last place check, but at least, you know, we appreciate you coming and hope to see you next week. And, you know, that, it goes a long way, you know, wow. and, and there's a lot of promoters and stuff that can learn from guys like that. And there's a lot of people that do it right. You know, Greenbush does it right. River Cities does it right. There's there's lots of places. Devil's Lake, like, you know, there's a lot of places that do it right, and they're and they're they're on the right path. There's always things they could do more, just like everyone else could do more in everything they do. But it, uh, those things go a long way, you know. And and paying good and paying that night and and you know shaking a guy's hand after thanking him for towing 250 miles or 150 miles goes a long way. There you go. Lord, don't, 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 don't forget about Benjamins for the announcers either. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, before we let you go here, Bill, uh, one last text uh, from Joshua Johnson. Loved racing with you, Bill. Always fun to be around you and the family. And, yeah. Bill, uh, before we send you off and wish you a, a happy new year, I have one question for you. It's what I ask every race car driver on the show. Um, when, when this is all said and done, when, when Bill Mooney – Puts the helmet up on the shelf for the last time. How do you want to be remembered as a race car driver, Bill? Um, as a race car driver, uh, a tough competitor. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I yeah, I, I, I like to race hard. I don't, you know, there, there's, I'm a firm believer in racing a guy the way he races you. And, uh, there's a lot of guys like Mike Balkin, Joey Peterson, Tom Corcoran, Brad Sang. I mean, there's I'm I'm missing lots, but there's there's a ton of guys that you can race hard door to door all the time, and no matter who's who wins, you give it your all, but you don't take a guy out, you don't use up his stuff, and you have a beer after, and one of you is happy, one of you is pissed off, but at least you know you had a good time doing it, and and your stuff still fits in the trailer, and that's that's a huge thing. I, I mean. I think uh, just being a hard-nosed competitor and, and, a, and a tough, clean racer is the way I'd like to be remembered. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's the case. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Well, you know, we've been thinking a lot about you over the last year, Bill. Uh, you and all yeah. the Canadians up there. And, and I just hope this crap is done with soon. Um, and, again, uh, not to, to say anything bad, but I, I don't want you to sell your race car. <laughs> I want you to be back. And uh, for sure you have to come back because I'm going to have to have you autograph a picture to get on our Do So Photography Wall of Fame. But um, I, I tell you what, um, Bill, this is the most I have talked to you in, in a long time. Um, I thought this was a brilliant idea yeah. to start talking to the Canadian guys up there. And and, and thanks for, for spending this time with us. I know it's not easy during a work day, but uh, we wish Will, you, your family, uh, make sure you say hi, hi to Dad for us. You definitely and, say uh, hi to Dad yeah, for us. And, and we want you to have a great 2021. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's a great show, and uh, keep doing what you guys do. It's good to see some more coverage of dirt track racing and um, happy to be here and um, got to say uh, our thoughts are with the Shell family. Um, oh, that's right. I, I forgot to mention tough, that. Uh, tough deal. And at, uh, over the holidays, I was not really paying attention to my phone a whole bunch, but it just seemed like I, I saw something on there about him having a tough road ahead. And then um, like hours later, it was, uh, or, you know, uh, that, he, that he was gone. And that's, uh, it's unreal. It's uh, it's terrible. He was a good guy and good family, and going to be missed. It's uh, it's tough. It's tough sometimes for us not to get emotional because these guys are family uh, for us for a hundred percent sure. And we lost so many uh, this year regarding Cliff Reeves. Uh, we lost him from Devil's Lake this year. Howie Shell. Um, those guys are forever going to be missed. Uh, it's going to be tough to. I just it's tough to wrap your head around sometimes why it happens what happens but you know everybody says it happens for a reason you know and uh I hope, hope well, my I, I'm a hugger so I hug all that chill family and and uh hope everything goes well it's not something you want to deal with at this point in time but it, we're, we're there we're there 100 for the support mm-hmm. um because that's what we do man we're a race family we come together as one and so here we are support hey bill you have yourself a great New Year's Eve tonight, man. You keep, too. Keep in, touch, keep in touch. Keep in touch. You got my phone number now. Uh, as soon as the, the, we can get across the border, I'm going to come up there and do some fishing, and we're going to drink some uh, <laughs> beers, and, and I'll make sure I bring pounders, okay? Yeah. 
<laughs> Bill, thank you, buddy. I appreciate everything. Hey, just hold on the line for a couple of minutes here, Bill. We'll uh, say our goodbyes after I finish this thing up, all right? Man, Sounds how about good. that? Thanks, everybody. Bill Mooney. Awesome show, John. Yeah, right out of somewhere near Selkirk. <laughs> so glad to hear from him again. Wow, miss a guy. Uh, special thanks going out to Do So Photography. He's the guy that has put together this Do So Photography Wall of Fame here in the studios of Grand Forks Best Source. You want your uh, family portraits done? He'll come to your house. Need business headshots done, cards, advertising. How about corporate pics, your products, your food, etc.? He can do it all for you. Come on in. Check out our studios here at Grand Forks Best Source. Give you a little bit of an idea. And uh, coming up by this spring, we will definitely have Bill Mooney added to that wall. He's got to get his butt down here to autograph it. You know, if you want to look the best, Do So Photography can do exactly that for you. Go to DoSoPhoto.com or call him up, 218-230-4325. Bobby Duso doing an incredible job. Hey, don't forget, we are now on Amazon Music. Just tell your smartphone or your smart speaker to play GFBS Podcast. It'll do it. And we're looking for your five-star reviews on Google, too. And we are now on Pandora. How about that? Woohoo! Yeah. All right. Believe it. Yeah. Hey, I tell you what, everybody. Have yourself a great New Year's Eve. We are off tomorrow. Grand Fork's best source wishes all a happy New Year. And remember to like, share, and tag us, all right? We're Grand Fork's best source, giving Grand Fork's an identity again. We'll see you on Monday.